we've gotten into actually the conversion of Saul, the, the change uh, that occurred in his life. And uh, I don't know if you've ever stopped to think about the number of people that it takes to connect with you before you come to a place of uh, genuine faith in Christ. Uh, how many people God uses to capture your heart, capture attention along the way. Um, <clears throat> I, I remember, uh, and I, I was probably, well, I guess I probably was more the age of uh, Cora, Janessa, I would guess, that age, when I uh, was attending a small Bible church. I, I, it was called Summit Bible Church. I, I didn't know it had any denominational affiliation. But I remember uh, there was a Sunday school teacher, Mr. Hopkins, who was one of the first guys that connected with me to help just kind of get me moving closer toward things about God. Um, a little bit later in that particular church, there was another fellow that God used. His name was Reuben. It had nothing to do with a sandwich. It just was Reuben. Reuben Hausiel. And he and his wife Carol uh, had a radio ministry and other kinds of things that they did. She had a deaf ministry. Isn't that funny how you see a deaf ministry? It doesn't say anything. You just move your hands a little bit. And wrote a book. What, what, you want a good title for a book. Here's a good title. For her and the deaf ministry, the title of the book was Let Your Fingers Do the Talking. Isn't that good? That's cool. I like that. That's uh, pretty cool. But Reuben was the guy that God used further to connect with me and uh, invited me to go along to with them to a summer Bible camp um, in the area in Erie. <clears throat> and, and then on the way back that August, uh, late August, uh, uh, summer, uh, we made a very slow trip, and coming up Old Perry Highway where I live, I never realized how how long that road was. But in the back seat of that Fiat, he just kind of put her down into first gear, which means we were basically crawling. And but he talked, and we just talked as we made our way, and uh, we got to a point where. The, that was another person that God used to come to a point where I was able to make that confession of faith in Christ. When you start looking at a guy like Saul, you have an initial contact that he has with a guy named Stephen, um, and he's consenting to what has, is happening to Stephen. He's essentially killed there, Stephen is, one of the first, first martyrs of the church. But it's just one person that God uses and then Saul breathes out threats. We are told in the front part of Acts chapter 9 uh, against these Christians, these followers of the way. And, and God uses another means to capture the thing, a, 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 an experience, a, a vision, an encounter with the risen Christ um, that we, we looked at last week. Now, God is not done using people to connect or to connect with Saul, but to make of him the 
man of God and the messenger of God that he longs for him to be. We'll look at a little bit more about that next week as well. But but God uses a variety of people. So I don't know if if you've already come to the place of faith in Christ, good for you. Be grateful for all the people that God used and orchestrated things in your world to get you to that point. If you're still kind of saying, oh, I don't know what I think about all this stuff, just be patient. God has more people to try to encourage you and connect with you to bring you closer to him in work in the kingdom. So uh, let's look at the portion of scripture, Acts chapter 9, beginning verse 10, read down through verse 19. So here's how it goes. In Damascus, there was a disciple named Ananias. The Lord called to him in a vision. Ananias! Um, yes, Lord, he answered. The Lord told him, go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. In a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him to restore his sight. Lord, Ananias answered, I've heard many reports about this man. And all the harm he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. And he has come here with authority from the chief priest to arrest all who call on your name. But the Lord said to Ananias, go. This man is chosen, my chosen instrument to carry my name before the Gentiles and their kings and before the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must uh, he must suffer for my name. Then Ananias went to the house and entered it, placing his hands on Saul. He said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you <coughs> on the road as you were coming here, has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes, and he could see again. He got up and was baptized and after taking some food, he regained strength. Saul spent several days with the disciples in Damascus. So the, the, the message title is, is a little different. It, 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 you don't know what you're asking. Have you ever been in a situation where someone has asked you to do something? It's been a very hard thing. It's outside of your comfort zone. <coughs> And you don't know whether you can do that or not. And you might respond to them, you don't know what you're asking of me. Because sometimes it might mean inconvenience. Sometimes it might mean sacrifice. Sometimes it might mean money. Sometimes it might mean an even more important thing, time, that is needed to invest in someone <coughs> along the way. And you never know what it's going to ask or demand of you. And in this particular story with Ananias, you almost get that feel, particularly when he, when he has this dialogue with the Lord uh, down in verse 13. You really don't know what you're asking. Um, so I want to look at some of the things that are characteristic of Ananias. As I said, there are three characters in the book of Acts named Ananias. One, Ananias of Acts chapter 5 with his wife Sapphira. They come into the church, kind of try to present a false front of sorts in terms of how beneficent they are, benevolent they are. <coughs> Excuse me, and 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 it ends up that they end up being drug out, um, one after the other. 
you can jump ahead, in, uh, further ahead in the book of Acts, you can find Ananias, who was a, a, a leader uh, in, in the government. And we'll, uh, I, don't know if, I, I don't know if I should say we'll get to him, but that's really late in the book of Acts. I, it, it's not my plan to be here till the rapture. But at any rate, uh, the, the point is that we're going to just kind of work our way through. And if we get that far, that's fine. We'll, we'll go from there. But this particular Ananias is a Christ follower whom God puts his finger on, Christ puts his finger on to uh, become part of a solution to help Saul in the process. Excuse <coughs> me. <coughs> I drink this in case the sermon gets dry, okay? So uh, just so you know. Okay, so look at let's look at a couple things. First, I want you to see something about Ananias. First, you want I want you to see a man who hears what God asks of him. A person who hears what God asks. Yeah. We need. Oh, thank you. Ricola. I've been watching too many commercials long ago. Uh, thank you, Carol. Verses 10 through 12 talks about the things that relating to, to Ananias in terms of hearing what God says. <coughs> we read the, the directions or the instructions that were given to Ananias. A couple things about him. First, his introduction is rather inauspicious. It just, it just kind of like, there was a disciple named Ananias. One translation says, there was a certain disciple named Ananias. And depending on what your translation is you use. It, 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 to me, he strikes me as just an ordinary disciple. So that's the first thing that strikes me about him. It's not like he had a lot of pedigree We'll find a little bit about that, different in a minute. But he was simply a certain disciple, someone that was available to God to use to be part of a piece of the puzzle for Saul. His name literally means Jehovah is gracious, and God does demonstrate his gracious act of mercy toward Saul in hooking him up, hooking Saul up with Ananias. <clears throat> that that he was an ordinary disciple and, and is a reminder that we can say that God simply uses people who are available to him to be part of a solution, to be part of a process. And God loves to use people, particularly people who are willing to do that. Ananias says in verse 6, it becomes almost... Uh, not Ananias, but Saul says in verse 6, Lord, what do you want me to do? We read that last week. We looked at that. And, and Ananias becomes part of the answer to that. He's going to give Saul some more information. He doesn't unload everything to Saul in the front part, but he does tell him, I've got some things for you to do. In uh, we, we mentioned to you last week that... Uh, in the book of Acts, there are at least three occurrences of this retelling of the story of the conversion of Saul here in Acts 9 and two other places further along in the book ahead. 
One of those places in Acts chapter 22 says this. Here's a, a little more information that comes from the work, the writings, and the speaking of, of, of Paul later. Saul, soon to be called Paul. In Acts 22, <clears throat> verse 12, it says, A certain Ananias, a man who was devout, that's new information, by the standard of the law, and well spoken of by all the Jews who lived there, came to me and standing near said to me, Brother Saul, receive your sight. And at that very time I looked up at him and he said, The God of our fathers has appointed you to know his will and to see the righteous one and to hear an utterance from his mouth. For you will be a witness for him to all men of what you have both seen and heard. Now why do you delay? Get up and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling on his name. That's a little more information than, than we have in Acts chapter 9. And so you get a little more idea of, of the background of Ananias. But he was simply a, an ordinary guy, just one of those men that was available to God and God was able to use him. Let me give you some names. Tell me, tell me if you recognize these names at all. Okay, let me do this little Q&A kind of thing. Have you ever heard of John Stoppitz? Yeah, okay. All right. John Stoppitz was the man who helped lead Martin Luther to Christ. Just kind of a nobody. Have you ever heard of John Eglin? Yeah. Yeah, maybe no. But if you were here last week, I was talking about the conversion of Charles Haddon Spurgeon. John Eglin was the layman in that primitive Methodist church who preached his only sermon that we know about that God used to convert Charles Haddon Spurgeon. Uh, who had a little more significant influence. Uh, have you ever heard of Edward Kimball? That may kind of say, yeah, yeah, I rings a bell. He was a shoe salesman <clears throat> who happened to be D.L. Moody's spiritual mentor. Have you ever heard of Mordecai Ham? You say, well, maybe that one's fun. Mordecai Ham was the evangelist who preached the night that Billy Graham came to Christ. You see, I guess in Ananias, for me, he's simply someone that's available to God, and God uses him. He was in, sense, in one sense just a nobody who became a somebody because God was using him. God was speaking to him. So he was an ordinary disciple. And he had an unusual vision. Now, I don't know. If you, had a, if you came into church next week and said, Pastor, I've had a vision this week. I would probably say, well, tell me about it. And I might also ask, what did you eat the night before? <laughs> you, yeah. <clears throat> Sometimes we, this is unusual. Unusual. We don't, this isn't our, the normal way, if you will, but it was the way that God used, and God opens up 
the, the, the heart and the mind to receive the truths from him in terms of his word. I'm not going to minimize that in any way. <clears throat> but I am amazed in this case of Ananias, the vision from God that he had. It was so specific. God told him about a specific street. I want you to go down to Straight Street. He told him about a specific house. I want you to go to the house of Judas. Uh, for a specific man, the guy named Saul of Tarsus, was a specific thing the man was doing. He's praying, and with a specific vision the man had, he's going to have a picture, a vision of you coming to do something to him. That's amazing to me how God can give the information that's needed to help connect someone, become part of a, of a, of a solution for them in their need. I, I, was, I didn't bring the story, the story along, but I recall a story where there was a man who, who was um, prompted, he just felt a strong prompting by God's Spirit to stop at a house and he thought, uh, <laughs> this, is, uh, this is at night time. This, I, you don't want to, uh, I don't, God, I don't want to do this kind of thing. But he argued and argued. Anyway, finally stopped, went and knocked on the door. <clears throat> Lady came to the door. And he said, ma'am, he said, you're going to think this is really weird. But I feel uh, that the Lord prompted me to stop at this particular house and see if there was anything that, that you needed. And she said, yeah, she said, I, 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 am, I have a, a young infant here. We don't have any means to get resources to give food for the baby, you know, and so that was one piece. And then there were other pieces that went along in terms of the story. But it's just because of one person that just seems sensitive to the voice of God to do what he asks. And I guess for me in Ananias' story, <clears throat> It's a, it's a case study of what God can do when he has our attention and we can hear his voice. Now, I believe we can hear God's voice from his word. I think that's a secure, a safe place. I think also his Holy Spirit discloses stuff to us and gives us information, gives us pieces of things, promptings of him, and they will be in line with God's word. They may be just kind of the current experience of that word, but I believe God can and does use that in terms of someone who hears what God asks. The thing that I love about this particular story is that Ananias has the courage to question God. And I think that takes a great deal of courage. We could... We could, we could, uh, we would love to tell you that Ananias didn't have any problem doing anything of this to him. He just immediately responded to God and he did it right and he got it right all the time. But I'm not sure about that. <clears throat> I think when you read in verses 13 and 14, you almost hear this kind of thing. It's almost like he was afraid that God didn't really know what the story was about this guy named Saul. So here's how it reads Lord. Ananias answered, I've heard, I've heard many reports about this man. All of harm he has done to your holy people in Jerusalem. And he's come here with the authority from the chief priests to arrest all who call upon your name. God, in case you didn't know, 
Here's the situation. Uh, I have to smile at myself at times when I think that God really doesn't know my situation. He doesn't know my need. He doesn't know my setting. And I, I smile because sometimes I forget that. Um, he, he knows my name. He knows quantity that Dawn and I have. Here, up here, yeah. Or Jim has. Or oh, we won't go any further than that. But the point is that he knows us. The scriptures say he knows the hairs of our head, and that's almost incredible. Why, why God would bother with that? But it's just another picture of his into me see intimacy with us, and he knows us, and he knows our need. He objects to what God asks, and and maybe object is a bit hard. Maybe uh, reservation would fit better. So let me just pack out a couple things here in terms of his reservations. His reservation was there because of the reputation of Saul. He, he had heard and he knew that this was the case of this guy. And it was, it was not something that you're going to <clears throat> get all kind of warm and fuzzy about because it, it could involve you. It could mean you could become the focus of his of his uh, attacks that was talked about earlier when he was breathing out these threats um, as he went along uh, to heading toward Damascus. Uh, his reservation also was because of the threat of Saul to him, and his reservation was because of the authority of Saul they had in terms of the letters from the religious leaders to be able to go and pursue and persecute these Christian people. So I guess what I'm wanting us to be aware of is don't, if there are times when God asks you to do the hard thing, don't, don't be afraid to voice your concerns, not, not, not to argue with him, but to say, Lord, do you, you know, let's use a sermon. Time. Do you know what you're asking of me? You know, uh, do you know what you're asking of me? And, and the Spirit of God, God Almighty, will say, I know exactly what I'm asking of you. It's not a mystery to me, but there are some things that you need to learn and process. And I really want to just kind of pull you along. I want to bring you along in process. One person has said, there's more faith in honest doubt than in half the creeds. And all I'm saying there is that don't be afraid if there are some reservations you have about what God may be asking of you. It's okay to question, but it's not okay, not okay to not obey. And that's an important piece. So that's where we come to next. Finally, we see a man who does what God asks. And that's why I love the character of Ananias in this particular story. He not only is honest enough with God to say, you know, I just don't know about this business, but he's a, he makes himself available and obeys God. And it's amazing what happens. We read in verses 15 and 19, the Lord said to Ananias, go, I want you to do this. Make your obedient response. And then tell us a little bit more about what's going to unfold for Saul in the plan of God. 
This man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles, the kings, and the people of Israel. Three groups that are talked about there. I'll show him how much he must suffer for my name. So Ananias goes and he puts his hand on Saul and prays. And it says, Brother Saul, a few moments ago, he said, Lord, you don't know what you're asking me. This guy's a, this guy's a handful. He, this could be a Trojan horse. You know that, don't you? This could be a wolf in sheep's clothing. You know that, don't you? And God says, yeah, I know that. I still want you to do this. And so he makes his obedient response. He makes his obedient response in partnership with the greater purpose of God in another person's life. That's what we read in verses 15 and 16. God uses Ananias to help build up the life of Saul. He uses him to get him through what is probably a tough kind of thing. He's Remember, Saul is blind from this encounter on the Damascus Road. And so he's not... It's not a world he wants to stay in or live in a long while. And God uses Ananias to be part of the greater purposes of God. God uses him. Also, in verse 17, then Ananias goes to the house and enters it, placing his hands on Saul. He says, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here, has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. There are two things that were part of the provision there. One... <coughs> was laying hands on uh, on Saul in obedience to the prompting of God's spirit. And uh, um, we could probably take a, a fair amount of time to talk about the place of laying on of hands in the early church. That's a wonderful little sidetrack kind of thing. But God uses the touch of people to be of encouragement and help to one another. <clears throat> I realize that we have to be careful in our day uh, because of the perhaps a, an impropriety. Um, I, uh, there are some people that are very comfortable um, hugging, squeezing, giving somebody a kiss kind of thing, who are not family. You know, they're, they're friends, but they do that. And, and there are some times where I've just kind of cringed a little bit. And I, uh, maybe that's a bit too much over the top. But I also know the power of simply a, a hand on somebody's shoulder or an arm around them or when praying for people. Sometimes you'll just grab their hand. And some, there's something powerful about touch. And I know it has to be a healthy, holy touch. But I believe that there's power in that. And he puts his hand on him and says, Brother Saul placing his hands on him, and God used him as part of the provision for Saul, not only in terms of the hand and putting his hands on praying for him, but God used him to, uh, to bring sight to him, but also to fill him with the Holy Spirit. And those two pieces are interesting and important pieces for Saul. I'm sure he's not done. Saul is not done encountering the Holy Spirit. There's a lot more that's, that's going to be encountered. But here is the initial uh, place of the work of the Holy Spirit in Saul's life. He's filled with the Holy Spirit, is what the story says, is what the language of it says. And he's, he's then able to be used by God. <clears throat> um, 
And so immediately the scriptures say that something like scales fall from Saul's eyes. He could see again. He gets up and was baptized. Now we read in the Acts 22 account that there was a little more instruction that was part of it. And I believe that instruction is important in terms of understanding what this baptism is about, this water baptism, and, and believe that God uh, wants us to understand what that is all about in terms of following Christ and, and choosing to press hard after him, identify with the body of Christ. But that's Paul does that. He gets baptized as well. All because of seemingly a nobody who become, becomes a somebody when he becomes available to God. His obedience partners with the provision of God in his life. His obedience partners with the power of God. As you read in verses 18 and 19, that he gets up, he was baptized, and after taking some food, he regained his strength and spent several days with the disciples in Damascus. Now, Ananias is simply somebody who is available to God to be used. Okay. We, uh, this almost sounds like a Jesse Jackson rally when I would say this. I would say, you are somebody. It's not, we are Penn State. We are Penn State. You are somebody. But you are. As insignificant as at times you may feel in the grand scheme of things. Like you, you're, not, you're not a missionary on a foreign field. You're not a muckety-muck in a big organization. You are simply somebody who God can get the attention of to use to speak into and build into another person's life. So the question is, can you hear him, even with reservations, and are you willing to do that? I don't know what are the opportunities that God is going to put in front of your week, your life, your journey this week. But I do know that God can use even nobodies to be part of the building up of an individual's life. You probably underestimate the impact and influence you can have in somebody's life. You say, "Well, I, I don't, I don't have, I don't have all the theology straight." That's all right. You just take the pieces you've got. And share those. You say, well, I don't know if I can go through you know, a particular approach that helps somebody come to a place of faith in Christ. Well, that's okay. Let God do the work. You know, Let him clean them. You catch him, he'll clean them. Uh, but simply be available to God. And my prayer is that this week uh, you'll have a heightened appreciation for the fact that God can use you right where he's planted you, to be of encouragement to somebody around you, someone about you. And my prayer is that we will find, even in this congregation, some Ananiases who are willing to just kind of take the next difficult step to speak into someone's life, to encourage them, to help build them up in process. And uh, don't wait for somebody else to do that for you. Just be about the business of saying, Lord, I'm available. I want to be of encouragement. Help. 
We're going to look at this again next week. It's a little different characters, a different story, but God will use other people in process of refining and making uh, Saul as a messenger of God. This story in the journey of Saul to the place of faith gives hope to those of us who are a little slow at getting to where God wants to take us. Hopefully you're listening for him in the journey. Hopefully you're finding that the Lord can handle even some of the reservations you may have in what he's asking of you. But hopefully and thankfully you're coming to the place of doing, obeying what he asks, doing what he says, even when it moves you outside of your comfort zone. Learn and live as Ananias did and be part of the way in following Jesus in helping bring others along with you. Um, you know, we can, we can sit and say, well, there aren't very many of us. But you know, each one touching one this week could have a profound impact. And maybe even next week someone might be joining with us because of what you did to encourage them along the way. And it's not rocket science. It's just one person telling another big, another person where to get food. You know, just trying to be of service and helping the in the work uh, of the kingdom and his purposes. I want you to pause with me for prayer. Will you do that, please? Father, I acknowledge this is a story from the pages of the history of the early church as recorded by Luke in what we call this book of Acts. It's the acts of the Holy Spirit upon the lives of people to help move them further toward the kingdom. And these men and women here today are somewhere in the process. Maybe they are on the inside and they know <clears throat> what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ and they've professed faith in him and and uh, they maybe they've even been baptized as an expression of their commitment to follow after Christ. But I ask, Father, that for each one of these women and men today, you would now... Help them to be open to doing the hard thing, the next thing that you ask of us. And it may be facing a challenge we have personally, a kind of hill that we're climbing we're just not having much success about. It may be <clears throat> building a bridge into the life of a friend, a neighbor, coworker. It, it may be mending fences with people even within the body of Christ. It might be the next hard thing for us to do. But may these men and women hear your voice and your prompting of your spirit. May they be honest enough to just have the dialogue with you about that whole issue, but courageously enough choose to obey you. <clears throat> 
So in this week to come, help us to be sensitive to those people that you will lead us to. Um, we may not have to have a vision. We certainly have already been given enough command and instruction in your word. So may we pay attention to that. Thank you for the time together this morning. Each one that you've orchestrated to be part of this time together. We pray that you'll just seal this time and this truth to our heart. Make us available to you for what you'll do. We'll give you all praise. In the strong name of our Savior, Jesus the Christ, we pray. Amen.